0: Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow, and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started, and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Hello. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to our bonus live stream of the Better Events Podcast. Mary Davidson joined with Logan Clements. Logan, how's it going?
1: It's going. I'm like super excited. This is something fun and different for us. So I'm just excited to try something different. We use excited too much on this podcast, so I'm
0: enthusiastic
1: to come to everybody live on a Friday.
0: Yes, definitely. We're trying to shake it up. We're trying to keep things fresh. For those of you who don't know, for example, this year we started – we're in season two of the podcast, okay? So that's amazing in and of itself. And then we started doing um, – uh, what is it called on Spotify? Spotify video, video Video podcast. They're so new that I forgot what it's called. Video podcasts. And so that's also cool. Um, But of course, we're streaming on all major podcast platforms. And today we're streaming on some different platforms. So let us know in the chat where you're watching this from because we're on a lot of different ones. And um, yeah, we're just excited to have you here. But um, we are chatting today about unpopular event opinions, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. So this is going to be interactive. So please participate in the chat let us know some of your unpopular event opinions as we're chatting and then if you're lucky we can also bring you up on stage we are doing this in Streamyard, so we can uh, coordinate with you on that if you have something that you just really want to say we will be happy to bring you up so logan do you, is there anything else you want to add before i dive in and kind of start us off
1: Yeah, I think our first, where the kind of this idea came from, you might've seen things on social media. I know as small as business owners, both Mary and I were trying to take pictures before we went live to so we can document this process. And we got this idea from uh, things I know I've personally seen on Instagram, on TikTok, talking about unpopular opinions, whether it's about weddings or events or something like that. And so I just thought this would be a really fun one with our audience. So Mary and I are going to share our unpopular event opinions. And when we say unpopular, maybe it's just going to spark some controversy. Maybe you don't agree, but these are things that Mary and I have opinions about. And if you want to also share yours in the chat, like Mary said, you could get invited up on stage or if you want to, you're not camera ready, no worries, uh, interact as much as you want in the chat. But we just feel like this is a really fun Friday topic. So Mary, yeah, do you want to kick us off with your first unpopular event opinion?
0: Okay. So yes, kind of. I'm going to start us off kind of weird. So I was looking up. I wanted to see what else was out in the world about unpopular event opinions. And so I came across a thread in Reddit and I just had to kind of start off with that, which is super random. Um, but this is a shout out to all the Gilmore Girls fans. Logan, I don't know if that's you. Yeah. I'm definitely oh, yeah. a fan. I mean, controversy because
1: okay. there's a there's a Logan character and my name is Logan. So oh, there is. that's you super
0: know. controversial. Unpopular. <laughs> but There's a thread that says, unpopular opinion, Rory should have become an event organizer. I was like, all right, I'm going to work with this. This is perfect. And the thread goes on to say, I know journalism was her dream, but she was so good at organizing events. I think she could have had an amazing career as an event organizer. And then people begin to comment and say, with Emily's contacts, Emily is her grandma, pretty sure, right? Yep. Emily's contacts, she'd have more business than she could handle. And then it goes on to talk about how good she would be at it because she planned all the DAR events and I appreciated this thread. So I wanted to start off with that. All right,
1: okay. I like <laughs> that. That's go. a good example of one. Uh, do
0: you have a do you want to add another one Mary? You want me to kick off with I, my own personal You go ahead. I have many, so you can start us off for real for real.
1: Awesome. Well, my first unpopular event opinion is if you're going to be at an in-person event and you have napkins, they have to be functional. Functional napkins. I worked at a country club was my first exposure to like being behind the scenes at events and the number of times that we worked a wedding or a gala or something that had fancy napkins that looked really pretty on the place setting. But once someone spilled and the guest tried to then wipe up their spill with these napkins, they usually looked really pretty and they would just make the like spilled wine or the water just worse. Like it would just spread it out more. And I have a note on my phone that literally is from that time (laughs) that the number one thing I had on there is like notes for future events or like my own wedding functional napkins meaning have a napkin it could look pretty but make sure it actually like does the job of a napkin like soaking up spills or helping you wipe your face of your makeup or whatever it is so functional napkins over fashionable napkins that just make things worse
0: I love it I haven't been thinking about the world of napkins in a long time so I really appreciate that one. You're welcome I, I you know <laughs> I I agree it might be unpopular but I like it I like it Um cool okay i'm trying to pick which one i have like this long list i'll start off simple um maybe this isn't simple as soon as i thought i was like this actually could be controversial okay unpopular opinion your event is way too long just an event some events some events events in general mary you think are too long okay just some are too long especially virtual right For me, if it's – it depends the setup, all right? Let's go with if, like, your speaker is speaking, whether it's a session or keynote, whatever, for, like, more than an hour, I feel like that's way too long. And events in general, I feel like are getting shorter because of what we've experienced during the pandemic. So I don't know. If I attend an event and it's, like, many hours, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for this. So that's my opinion. Your event is too long. All right. Think about having shorter events, folks. think
1: my next one for uh, unpopular opinion is tech checks are not nice to have. They are essential. And I have some clients and folks I work with who totally are on board with this. And then I have a a large group as well who think that you don't really need to have them. It's kind of a nice to have. And oh, this speaker is really professional. They'll be fine, of course. And I've now been doing this long enough that that is a gamble. And that is a gamble that if you are willing to take and say, sure, they're not essential, you know, they're not needed. We're just going to go with it. But I'm a big... Like proponent of controlling what you can control and just taking even like 10 minutes. And I guess if you don't know what a tech check is, it's you can call it a rehearsal, but just something where you're walking through with your speakers what you want them to do. And you do these for in-person. They become even more important important virtually because you're tech checking their microphone, their camera, their lighting. But even in-person, it's like, where do I get my Clicker, you know who do am I looking at? Where who's going to help me with Q and A? Just some of those logistics that even if you can get five minutes, it's going to have such a big impact on your event and set your production team up for success, your logistics team up for success. Just having that tech check. So I have gotten a little more forceful in this in the past year of saying it's not optional. It's really like this is on my list of things I have to have. But I still get pushback sometimes. So they're essential. People take it or leave it.
0: I think most people would agree with you. I'd like to hear from the people who disagree. They're still out there,
1: Mary. You and I just had an event that we did a couple of weeks ago where it was like unneeded till the person walked in the door and then they walked in the door once we've already started the event. And that just, you know, all of that stress could have been avoided had we done the tech check and we lucked out and the person was amazing. But often, you know, that's that's rare in my case.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. awesome. All right. My next one is Unpopular opinion without purpose, an event is just a party, which might be your purpose is to have a party, all right? But I think a lot of events, and I've been talking to some planners about this lately and one of them shared feedback saying, if I could have done one thing differently for this event that was super awesome, then it would have been to have more of a purpose behind it because it did end up being, being, it was like a fashion party. And so some people left and they're like, so this was like super fun, but like, what was the point of it? And so... Without purpose, your event is just a party. I even feel like
1: parties should have purpose, but, you know, that's that's my unpopular opinion. I uh, like it, Mary. I think for me, my next one is uh, texting for event communication is useless and looks unprofessional. The uh, number of folks that I think pre-COVID, again, we're just getting back into doing a lot of in-person things who just relied on being able to, like, text their event team what they needed in the moment versus using a walkie-talkie or now there's all these apps that do use our phones like walkie talkies. I just think leave that in 2019, like 2022, we are on site. We are using a headset of some form with a walkie talkie because I say it looks unprofessional because it looks like you're just texting your friends, which if I was an event, you know, a guest, I look over and I see someone texting, I'm going to assume they're probably doing something personal versus if they have an earpiece in and a walkie talkie and they're talking, it's going to look like they're doing something for the event. So things that I think I'm finding people forget in their budgets as we do these hybrid events and in-person things again, but they're just so crucial to have so that you have instantaneous communication because I have pre-COVID lived and died by seeing the three text bubbles of someone texting me something and me going, oh no, when they said we're starting in 10 seconds, was it when they started typing? Was it when they hit send? Was it when I saw the message? You know, it just, it's so, it's not convenient.
0: Yeah, I think that this is something that's unpopular for a lot of people because, some events that i've been in they really only want to communicate via texting and it is a challenge and i dislike it a lot and a lot of the times you can see that they're like why haven't we started yet and it's because they aren't hearing like the things that are happening and so they're just there for this like pause and this quiet moment so they're freaking out like why isn't something going on it's because they don't know what's going on because we're not yeah
1: which i will clarify it's fine to like if it's your client like the person hosting the event if you're just on text message with them for like intermittent, anything they need kind of on the fly, texting is fine. But for anybody that you're cueing for what needs to happen exactly at a certain second or a minute or any of that, if you're on headset, it's so much easier and you're able to give verbal cues. I can give verbal cues faster than I can text those verbal cues. And it's also easy then to hear if I hear silence, that's either like are my comms down, did the person not hear me, versus if someone's not you know responding to a text, you have no idea what's happened to them if they're you know distracted or their phone died or or you know anything. So let's get rid of that, folks. That's my unpopular event opinion. How about you, Mary? What's your next one?
0: Next one is that you can't expect your planner that you're hiring to do all the setup and teardown, unless that's something like that they pre-committed to as part of your contract. <laughs> um, I think that's something that I've gotten thrown into quite a bit. And it's challenging because like I would much rather my role be to coordinate the volunteers to help with that. But if I need to bring a team of people who are going to help with setup and tear down, that's a different cost. And that's a huge lift, like literally physically. <laughs> uh, it's a, a, bit, a lot. <laughs> lift but the setup and teardown is one of the worst part of events and uh, volunteers are usually key people to help with that so I think planners just like need to know if what the plan is
1: yeah and, and that but well and that's what I, I think putting yeah. that on it's an unpopular opinion that you have to talk about how you're going to actually break everything down. I think folks think about setup and then they forget about the breakdown at the end of the night mm-hmm. and if that is something that yeah the client's gonna do themselves If you're going to help, if you have other people coming to help, and especially if you're coordinating with a venue, again, back to physical in-person things, if there's like a certain time, you have to be out of there because that's going to factor into how quick or like Mary's saying, how many people you need because if you have... Unlimited time, sure, one person could do it, but if you have to be out of there within 30 minutes, you might need like six, seven, eight people, depending on how complex your event setup looks like, especially in thinking from an AV perspective. A lot of AV companies I'll work with will bring in an additional two people to the, you know, in addition to the people they already had on-site staffing the event, they'll bring in extra folks to help just with breaking it down as well as setting it up. So that's a good one, Mary. I don't know if it's unpopular because... Again, you and I are kind of in a silo where we agree on some of these things, but...
0: <laughs> we need to we need to find one where we're like, no, that's not true. So no pressure. What's your next one? <laughs> no pressure.
1: Oh, well, maybe this will be controversial for you, Mary. I don't know. But I think wedding dinners are overrated and late night snacks are underrated because I think often no one remembers what you had for dinner at a wedding, but you're going to probably remember whether it's an interactive dessert, not just straight cake on a table, but some kind of interactive dessert and or the late night snack that they bring in. It's become more trendy in the last four or five years. Again, I saw this when I worked at a country club where I have a visceral memory of I couldn't tell you what we serve for dinner, but I was in charge of uh, serving some late night snacks that were these little, little slider hamburgers and little cones of French fries. I brought them out on a platter and I had like three people almost tackle me from the dance floor because they were so excited to have a mini cheeseburger at 11 p.m. at night. (laughs) And I was like, these aren't even like, they're the same, very similar to all the food you've been eating all day. But for some reason, the late night snack is memorable. And I did it at another event, a nonprofit event. We did a surprise pizza delivery. Same thing, very late at night, like 1030, 11 o'clock after the folks had had dinner at like seven. And we walked in with pizza, delivery pizza boxes. And you would have thought we had fancy champagne bottles. Everyone went crazy and really wanted a slice of pizza. So that's just something if you're planning a wedding, I don't know if this necessarily applies to like corporate and nonprofit events, but especially if you're someone planning a wedding right now, I wouldn't stress out as much about the wedding dinner and just make sure you add budget for having that late night snack or something that's like an interactive food because that's what people will remember, not the chicken or fish that they ate.
0: I don't disagree with that. I think that's awesome. Um, Jessica, if you're still on here, we had a friend recently who got married and they did at the end of the night a hot dog stand And they were also amazing hot dogs, just kind of a side note. but And that was really fun. People seem to love it. Just like a nice little surprise after dinner.
1: It's huge. I mean, I've seen it's like ice cream truck that comes at the end of the night is like a cool idea. If my mom is watching this, she'll love – anytime we go to a sporting event, she will say that's when she really likes to eat hot dogs because they just taste better at a sporting event for some reason. I could see that too, Mary, as a nice late night snack that you're like, it's a really good hot dog. But it's also something that you're talking about. If you're someone who cares about what folks are talking about after they've been at your event or your wedding, doing something like that, a surprise element. We've talked about surprise and delight on the podcast before, but something like that, that's going to be remembered way more than your plated meal. And yes, Jessica, glad to hear you agree with Mary that the hot dogs were such a (laughs) huge
0: hit. (laughs) I love it. That's awesome. Um, Cool. Yeah. So my next one, I don't know if we want to dive deep into this, but when we were talking about this topic… This is one that we thought of, so I'm going to bring it up now. Um, If you don't like virtual events, then you're probably doing them incorrectly.
1: We (laughs) mind-linked on this one because this was one of mine. I said virtual events can be fun, unpopular event opinion. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it honestly, it breaks my heart to start hearing – and I I hear it a lot more this last couple of weeks – planners saying like that they are so excited that they can go back now to start doing in-person events and that they're going to be totally done with virtual and not ever do it again. Um, I want to be careful here because my first reaction is that's a missed opportunity. But then my second reaction is, well, maybe they're just going to now niche down into in-person events and that's going to be their thing. And that's totally okay. But I think hybrid is actually going to be what's most common. At least it depends, right? But some virtual audience. And so to hear them automatically say, I'm going back to in person, done with this. It's kind of like, oh, wait, have we learned nothing? Just wait. So
1: Yeah, yeah you and I align on this. And I think we're going to have an, a, a podcast episode coming into our feed where we expand on this more. So please don't shut us out if you are one of these people who disagrees with our unpopular opinion. There are a lot of folks out there, like you said, Mary, who are done with it. They want to be over it. And I hear it I'm, I'm in the exact same camp as you, because I think it's such a missed opportunity, both from a planner perspective and from... The client side, because I think certain organizations have learned that you're going to reach way more people virtually than you could ever fit in a physical space, depending on your budget. And then I've had other folks who have realized like, yeah, now they just need to start thinking about curating their content. And whether it's like, is this only in person for a reason, going back to your, your purpose moment, Mary, or is it something that needs to, you know, like, does it need to instead be a virtual event or could it be hybrid? But by hybrid, it's live in person. And then months later, it's now a virtual event that folks can go to. So I agree with you. I get really sad when people just totally like shut it out because I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And example of one opportunity, you could get a very high end speaker that you could never afford to fly to whatever location your event's at, but you could get them virtually and for a fraction of probably what they charge in person. So not only are you saving budget, but you're also getting better content just because you're open to continuing to utilize this hybrid, you know, world. So, and then as a planner, I don't know about you, but I, back in 2019, I was kind of tired of the, I kind of hit my max for travel. And I will say, I love that virtual events have opened up my schedule a lot more. I'm able to do more events, which is great, but also I'm allowed to have that balance and can kind of mitigate, you know, how tired I'm getting just from the travel and the being in different places, like alone. So I'm with you. I think that was one of my that it was also just they're really fun. <laughs> and I think it's just sad to, to miss out on that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I want to call out before we move on to the next one, Logan, which you can take the next one. Um, looks like we have some more viewers coming in on at least LinkedIn. I see that there. And so hello. Make sure you participate in the comments. We want to hear your unpopular opinions. And then if you really have something to say, we might be able to bring you up on stage. So let us know if you're here, if you're interested in that. So anyway, on to you, Logan. Thank you. I think
1: my, my next one here I have is, and Mary, we've talked about this already, but I want to hopefully this sparks an interest for the listeners. Events using podcasts to share content is undervalued and underused. So Mary, I'd sent you a podcast that talked all about this a couple weeks ago, I think at this point. But what I mean by this is like you can share the content like we're talking about. There's opportunities in virtual and hybrid. You could like share the recording of that content as a podcast versus just keeping it as a video on your event website. And I think that's just something that people, it's unpopular because I think folks love PowerPoints too much. And they think that you need to see their PowerPoint and see their face to really learn. And that's something I'd like to push back on with this unpopular opinion, because I love podcasts. I put them on when I walk around. I'll do it if I'm doing any kind of like data entry or things where my brain's just kind of doing like a low brain work task, I'll listen to a podcast. And I think it's just something I'm not seeing a lot of events, especially those that are education based or I'm thinking about like national sales conferences that corporate you know, corporations are doing where they could be utilizing all of their education sessions, both on the platform and on podcasts. I just think it's we're forgetting that some people are just auditory listeners or auditory listeners are auditory learners um, and podcasts are something that folks are forgetting about as a medium for virtual hybrid events.
0: Yeah, great idea. I feel like I, I feel like as as soon as I say that I need to be more controversial I need to be like terrible idea Logan that's okay <laughs> I just that's agree <laughs> I agree <laughs> um, okay uh another another one that I have this one's kind of deep Not, like it really gets into the weeds I think actually is what I mean so like bear with me and you can tell me if I'm crazy um okay my unpopular opinion is for guests and clients so two parts. Part one is that it's hard to work with clients who are unfamiliar with events in general because their expectations often don't match reality. And then that leaves them kind of left wanting. That's something that I've been learning. So let me expand. (laughs) Um, For example, sponsorship booth interaction for virtual events is down. A lot of statistics show this. It's hard to get people to interact with virtual sponsor booths. Um, and if a client experiences this, it might look like, ah, that, that we did something wrong, but, and, and perhaps there's ways that other ways that you could have reached and, you know, um, shared news about your sponsor, but also it's important that they understand that this is actually kind of an industry standard for virtual events. So that's what I mean. It's like, there's that gap between what's understood, like, versus like what's a mistake versus what is kind of the trend. Just because it's a trend doesn't mean you can do things to mitigate it or change it. But I hope what I'm saying is making sense. It's kind of hard to work with clients like that. Um, yeah. And on the the kind of part two part of this is that and on the on the same side I guess guests, it's hard to try to please every guest, especially when they are unfamiliar with the event world. So, for example, I was working on an event recently, and someone someone put in the comments uh, the event was supposed to start at nine, and it started at nine o two, and the comment was like why are we starting late? I'd want, I want to refund <laughs> and
1: two and minutes my head. I
0: wanted, I wanted to like poke my eyeballs out because I was like, first of all, some people start five minutes late or something like that strategically. Cause they know everybody's running late. So that's one angle perhaps. And then another angle is you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And maybe somebody was late. Like you never know what's happening. And so that one hurt my heart a little bit. And so. Oh, and um, you
1: would totally get the people who would then have said, if you started right on time, would have been like, I want a refund. I somehow missed the first couple minutes. Like Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gosh.
0: So I don't know how to summarize this unpopular opinion, but sometimes it's just challenging to work with people who don't understand events. Sure. And I think it might, maybe it's unpopular.
1: Like what I'm hearing, I feel like is. As an industry, we love making people's like dreams and aspirations and wants and like we want to fill people's wants and needs and we want to make their dreams come true, but also expectation management of what is possible. And I'm sure our friends who do weddings all the time can talk about this of how do they have to fight Pinterest (laughs) with their clients and folks having, you know, reference images and things of stuff that's just not attainable, whether it's with the timeline, the location, the budget you know, so doing that kind of expectation management. um, Yeah, it's probably unpopular because I feel like it's a little bit of a negative Nancy take on it. But I also think it's totally necessary of like giving people pie in the sky. And I do this as like a business owner doing like multiple options on my proposals so I can show folks that I can like do bigger and more intricate things than probably what they need. But I'm showing them that. But I also am giving them a price so they know, you know, when I'm looking at that fancy you know, set up at that event. Oh, it probably was double what I'm willing to pay or something like that. So I think that's super helpful. Again, unpopular, but popular in my mind. Yes, Nicole, that is a great comment. People expect way too much out of technology, especially Zoom. I feel like I'm constantly telling folks what Zoom can and cannot do or what it is built for and what it is not built for, (laughs) just to
0: expectation manage. Totally, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for your thoughts. Thanks for your thoughts too, Nicole. Logan, send us in with our next one. Yeah. My next one
1: would be that virtual or hybrid audience engagement won't just like happen. Like it's just, it's not, we're not there yet as a society where we all know exactly how to use all these tools that are coming out on all these different platforms. Nowadays, maybe, you know, if you are using Zoom, people know how to use the Zoom chat. But this is something that both Barry and I talk with clients all the time is like, you need to have like a chat script. Granted, again, you're not trying to like force conversations to happen, but a lot of people need like a nudge. You know, this is normally the job of like the in-person MC to kind of get people talking or this is why you hire meeting facilitators to help facilitate connection at your in-person meeting. And you're going to need to do some of that for your virtual or hybrid event. You also need to kind of, if you want folks to meet face-to-face, maybe you have some facilitated breakout rooms and things that are happening, both in-person and virtual. But you actually have to like do that versus just saying, oh, we've given you this, this tool, just use it with like no tips on how it's going to happen. And then I just have had folks then who are frustrated because you know, their their expectations weren't met because they just thought people would just know what they were supposed to do.
0: Totally. That's a great one. It kind of reminds me of one of mine. Um, Cause when you were talking about like moderators and things like that, it made me start thinking of MCs and I was listening to an event recently. I was like tuning in as an attendee and um, I love doing that by the way. I think it's like a really good learning experience and man, the, the MC was just like really, really not engaging. And you could tell that he didn't know a lot about the organization based on how he was responding to things. And so it was a little cringy for me, at least as a planner, I'm kind of curious if other people picked up on it too, or if it was just me. Um, but it made me think uh, that to get an MC that is is memorable, like based on how you know they present and things like that. Um, and I know a lot of people. I think this actually is an unpopular opinion, so bear with me. But I think a lot of people they get news anchors to be MCs, and that makes sense, right? Because they're really good, uh, usually on the fly and presenting in front of people. So I totally get it. But I think that um, the one, the, well, I personally enjoy folks who are like more comedic. And then, like I said, really do understand the organization because they are involved in some way. So maybe they are a news anchor, but they're like also a board member or something like that, where they really get what's going on. So I'm not, no hate against the news anchors, very talented individuals, but I'm just saying get an MC that is memorable.
1: Fair enough. Yeah. And I think that's something that uh, to your one point, Mary, of how you like to go to events, I think that's just a not an unpopular opinion, but just a pro tip out there. If you are someone trying to like gain experience, whether it's experience in events in general or specifically in virtual or hybrid, or maybe you've only ever done virtual and never done in person, by going to events and just like coming in with a mindset that like I'm here to try to learn and see and observe how everything works, you can learn a lot and come away with anecdotes and lessons learned and things you can apply in client meetings to future events, like All of that jazz—that is my favorite. My poor partner Archie—I always tell him when we go to events, I'm like, "This is part research." He's like, "Of course it is. We're (laughs) we're looking." I'm like, "Where's the AV team seated? What's happening over there?" You know, I like once you once you've seen it, you can't unsee it.
0: Yeah, Um, events have ruined us. Yeah, we can't just go and enjoy it. We have to. I don't know if it's ruined. No, not ruined. That's
1: that's an unpopular opinion, right there, Mary. (laughs) I'm going to push back on that. I think if anything, it makes it more. I just enjoy it. And again, it to me just shows I know I'm doing what I think, you know, what I love right now in this moment is doing events. And I find joy even in that where I'm kind of like doing it as research. But I also like going because I'm not going there just to like rain on people's parades. I also get ideas from like, ooh, I had fun. So if Mm -hmm. I'm having fun doing this, I bet, you know, this next event, they're going to have fun because I think here's another here's an off the cuff unpopular opinion. But I think some folks think the like their content's going to be more exciting than it actually is. And for me, it's like, if you're getting bored by your content, your presentation, whatever it is, there's a big chance like your audience is also going to be bored by your content. And then I've just had people after event are like, I don't understand why that didn't land. And it was like, we found it, if you found it boring in their tech rehearsal or their, you know, the rehearsal, their tech check, it's probably still going to be boring in front of people. You know, there are some speakers who do light up when you, you know, turn the cameras on and put them in front of an audience, but there's just ones that i'm like ah oh, you could see the warning signs that it wasn't it wasn't working out but most folks i think just think they have more exciting things that they want to share than in reality how it's going to actually be received
0: i really like that one i i wish streamyard had the uh like the little reactions that zoom has so i could i was i wanted to do like heart, a clap heart, 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 heart. <laughs> <laughs> so i agree um awesome i love off the cuff uh okay well something else that i have is As far as vendors go, I think a photographer should be one of your most sought after vendors that you get for your event. Um, And that's because maybe this depends per person. But for me, I really enjoy the memories of an event, whether I'm an attendee or I'm involved in the the process of the event. And so I appreciate when there are photos that I can refer to after. First of all, it's great marketing if you're going to redo this event again. That's awesome. But um, one thing I have liked to do in the past is send some attendees that I, I like know. I see them in a photo and I know who they are and I'll like send them the picture. And they're like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. It's awesome. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think a photographer is a way to help the event live on. And so I think they're one of the most important vendors that we could book for an event.
1: Yes. And then after you get the photos, putting them in a shared space that everybody knows where they are. <laughs> I can't yes. count the number of times I've worked an event where they're like, yeah, we had pictures, but we're, somebody has them and they're no longer here, <laughs> which I have, again, like Mary saying, like there's such a strong marketing tool. And ideally if they are one of your preferred vendors, like you probably paid a good amount of money to have them. So having them in a shared Google drive, we have, um, I have on my website, like a post event feedback report, which you can email us at better at gmail.com. And I'll send that to you where I literally have a, one of my things on my list is link to photos and then you embed the link that of wherever you're putting the photos so that in the future, whoever goes back to this report can say, Oh, I'm going to click on that link. And even if they don't have access to it, they at least know where they are. Um, cause the amount of random like smug mug links and Dropbox links that are like stuck in someone's <laughs> inbox from four years ago, like it's just not helpful. So don't forget, give future you a gift or your organization, future organization, a gift and like put them in one central spot once you've agreed with Mary's unpopular opinion and booked a really good photographer or videographer.
0: Smug mug just brought me back,
1: by the way. (laughs) I have a photographer for an event who uploaded photos to Smug mug that I need to take the time now to like download from this event was Eight months ago. So I have to follow my own advice. But you it's for a group those. I like volunteer with. And we were like, where are those photos? And I found the old smug mug link. So <laughs> that's a that's a weekend task. I'm gonna transfer all those over to Google Drive for us. Um, but yeah, and then another one of my unpopular event opinions, I would say, is uh, your event marketing matters, which again, I feel like said alone by itself. Mary and I are both in this camp. Like, you're gonna be like, Of course, Logan, it matters. But I think what I'm finding, especially in the last two years, when our timelines for how much time we have to plan an event have become shorter. And I honestly don't think they're ever going to go back to as long as they were before the pandemic because we've proven to clients and our audiences that we can like create events faster. <laughs> so I think we're stuck with these shorter timelines. But some clients, I think, just think like the marketing of their event will just happen. Like they don't have a strategy or a posting plan or saying I'm going to send out these four emails. Or maybe they do and they think, I'm just going to email out to all of our followers, our organization, and they're just going to all register. It has to be a little more intentional than that. And I think I've just found a lot of times it's like the afterthought that usually is like the week or two before the event. People are worried, oh no, we don't have as many registrants as we think. And again, this is all important for if you have a public facing event. Internal corporate events, I have not seen this being an issue. But if you're trying to get buy-in from people buying tickets or even a free event, your marketing really does matter. And then even if it's a free event, it matters then to get the folks that sign up to actually show up. I think one of the things, Mary, you mentioned earlier was about sponsorship. Like there's data showing people aren't engaging with sponsors as much at these virtual events. And that's a way to like try to beat some of those odds is use your event marketing pre-event. But you need to have specific marketing for people who have said, yes, I'm coming to your event and you're sending them specific communication that gets them more excited and then you have ones who have not signed up for your event and there's specific information you're trying to convince them to then get a ticket to come to your event and that was a lot of hands yeah
0: <laughs> no i liked it um yeah that's that's interesting because i think it's so important and really easy amongst everything else that we're dealing with when planning an event to forget that some of the best ways or the best time that we have to cultivate our guests are pre-event because then it gets them excited for the actual event and they come and instead a lot of us tack it on at the end which I feel like is a little too late. So here, here, Yes. I mean, if you, no, if you are... I disagree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. We, we're not having as much controversy on this live stream as I kind of had hoped, but also this makes sense because Mary and I have worked together on a lot of projects yeah. and we work well together. So I think if we had controversial that against ourselves thing. ideas, we probably wouldn't <laughs> work as well together. Uh, Mary, do you have any more? That was probably the end of mine for okay. my controversial uh, event opinions, but. I have one more, more.
0: which I already know that you're going to agree with. So, (laughs) Uh, My last one is simple. And it is post-event to make sure that you send thank you cards, whether it's you yourself as a planner to the people you've worked with or you as a company or organization to the people who attended, whether it's a handwritten card, some type of thank you, make sure you send it out there.
1: Mary, yeah. I love this. I do it for my team, like my production team. If I am hiring folks, I send them thank you cards. I've also found that you're going to forget sometimes about like your speakers. And again, this is applying to you if you're an event vendor or if you are an event host. Often I think the hosts forget too of Mm -hmm. saying thank you so much for your time, especially in this virtual hybrid world where it is so simple for a speaker. Once they're done, they just kind of exit out of your platform and they're done. That's the extent of their engagement with you, like making sure you take the time to write an email or write a handwritten note saying thank you and sending that to them. Just I think closes the loop and puts a nice little bow on the end of that experience versus in person where maybe you're like, we'll see you at the bar afterward or dinner after this. And that's how we're going to kind of close out um, our event. Don't forget to thank folks. Um, I have found it. I mean, Mary, I don't know if you agree, but I feel like it's a good tactic to get people to continue to work with you because <laughs> As you know, I'm you say it. thankful I looking, and you're being thank polite you and nice <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that they hopefully will work with you again. So mm-hmm. again, gift to future you of you know continuing to maintain that relationship with folks. And we had a, on one of our podcasts, uh, the episode with Megan Ely, she was telling us tips on this about getting f- physical addresses because this is, was my pain point. And I have adopted her advice, which was postable, P-O-S-T-A-B-L-E postable.com. You can sign up for a free address book and then you can send that link to all of your clients or your team or something. It has them update their e- their um, mailing address. So It's a nice way just to have like one place with everybody's mailing addresses and then just make a note cool. to ask for updates.
0: Yeah. I love it. Love the tips that have been thrown in during unpopular event opinions. We it wouldn't have... be a better events podcast
1: without some bonus tips, tips thrown yeah. throughout the live.
0: Throughout. <laughs> Um, before we end, we this is your last chance to put your unpopular event opinion in the chat. We are happy to share it if you have one. And while we are waiting for you to do that, if you'd like, we can talk about just really quickly, Logan, some exciting things we have coming up for the podcast. What do we wanna what do we wanna highlight? What do we wanna tease? Ooh. We have so much exciting
1: stuff coming up for this podcast. I one episode I'm particularly excited for is an interview that we're doing with Jen Mueller, who I'm biased. She is one of my mentors from the Why Seattle Wise Within Mentor program. But she is a sports broadcaster and small business owner. And we talk with her about asking better questions. And I warn you, your mind will be blown listening to this episode. You're probably gonna want to listen to it like multiple times because. It has real world implications, both as an event pro and just like as a person looking to connect with other people. I don't know about you, Mary. What, what's another thing you think we should plug about the upcoming things for season two?
0: Yeah, well, we're really excited about like Logan just mentioned, a lot of the guests that we have coming up. Um, I think the content that they're bringing is super exciting. And one thing that we're trying to do while always bringing you tangible tips, it's like one of the main goals of the podcast. In addition, is, um, also to, I think it's helpful for those that are trying to figure out what they want to do with their event journeys, hear other people's stories, and then have them also give you some tips, not just us, not just Logan and I. And so we have some opportunities for that as well. Some folks um, who are really involved in the event community are going to share some of their, their thoughts about their journeys. And so excited for that and hope others are as well. So if you haven't listened to us, uh, feel free to find us. Uh, uh, at Better Events Pod on pretty much all major social platforms. You can also email us if you ever ever have questions, or if you want to receive what Logan called out earlier for the um, post-event what was feedback it? report. Yeah, and report. we also have a yeah. run a show template that I know is
1: super mm-hmm. popular with folks. Yes. We, again, we're all about building the community, and these are tools that Mary and I have used and and enjoyed. And I, you know, I think it just helps us all create and you know host and attend better events, like our podcast says. <laughs> Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We really appreciate your time this lovely day. And yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I think my only
1: other ask would be if uh, you liked what you heard and you want to send us an email and let us know if you want us to do more of these like live podcast episodes. If you want to see less of them, if you have topic suggestions. Again, we're here uh, here to serve, but also just kind of like building this community. But Mary, this was really fun. Something different. We'll post this also on our podcast feed, so you'll be able to hear this in your ears if you weren't able to join us live. But yeah, I think that's it, that's it for my end. That's it from my end. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys.